Welcome to Now on Netflix. We are your safe space. Now that your Thanksgiving visitors have left your homes, we're going to tell you about a movie that, unless the planet stops spinning, will be part of the Oscar conversation this year. I'm Jessica Shaw. You may know me from SiriusXM, and he is my May, my December, my every month. He's the executive editor of Tudum.com, Henry Goldblatt. Hello, Henry. Hey, Jessica. I was so upset for one moment. I, I thought you were going to call me the December to your May when in reality we are only a few months apart. So thank you for keeping us honest. A hundred percent. You know me better than that. You're everything to me. We are going to be talking about Todd Haynes's next film, May, December. Henry, I remember the first week that you and I were doing Now on Netflix, you brought up May, December. This is a film starring Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman and Charles Melton. I remember you saying this is the thing you're looking forward to most by the end of the year. And since then, I've been waiting to talk to you about it. I can't wait to talk to you about it either, Jessica. But first, I thought we'd have a little pit stop off in the land of the Great British Baking Show, which is wrapping up its 11th series this week. And it has been just a wonderful, posh, lovely, what are some other British words? Crumpet type of season. So this season has been marked by a lot of firsts. I'm pretty sure that it was the first time that Prue wore a white glasses and a white statement necklace. Hadn't quite seen that before. But secondly, Prue and Paul judged the worst technical challenge they ever saw during dessert week when the contestants were asked to make six orange and ginger steamed sponge puddings with creme anglaise. I barely know what two of those words mean. Yeah, there's always something. There was something in this week's episode, which was also, you know, desserts. And there were things like creme brulee golf balls. There was like a little dinosaur creation. There were so many things. And I was starting to get concerned about the palates of our judges as well. This season has been marked by a lot of strange occurrences. For example, I never thought I'd hear Prue say the words, So Nikki, tell us about your beaver. And this was during a challenge when the contestants had to make, I believe it was some kind of dessert shaped like animals. And Nikki has a fondness for beavers and decided to make that, which prompted Prue to ask. It is one of the greatest moments, and you and I spoke about this, made even greater by the fact that she attempts to do a take two, and the producers are basically like, hell no, we're putting take one in. It's too good. It was amazing. There's always a lot of double entendres when they have to make balls, and Paul Hollywood definitely loves a ball joke, so we see those throughout the season, but I had never heard a beaver joke before and was very grateful for it. It took several seasons or cycles or series or whatever they call it with this show, but we finally got there, so the victory is our Henry, tomorrow is the finale of the Great British Baking Show. You are the number one fan of this series. So who is your dream winner? I mean, it could be someone who who is gone. We don't want to spoil people who may have recently been voted off in case some people are a few episodes behind. But who's your dream winner? Jessica, my dream winner is Dan, who is the cutest, cutest father. Um, he's been Starbaker three times, and he's had a bit of a wild journey. Like, the weeks he's not Starbaker, he really messes things up. But overall, like, he's really entertaining to watch. He's super sweet. He's obviously doing this for his kids and his wife, and I just find him incredibly endearing. I don't know if you remember every single challenge this season, but if there was one thing that you would like to have for your you know, holiday season, December, like all willpower out the window, what would be the one thing this season that you would eat? 
Jessica, I'm going to surprise myself here because right now I don't have a sweet tooth. And like some of those sausage rolls looked really, really good that they made. Some savory sausage rolls is what I'm in the mood for right now. I reserve the right to change my mind in the next 20 seconds. I mean, fair, because I don't even know you. There's always some shape of something that everyone seems to know about, except me when I watch the show, like that sideways rolled cake thing. And I was like, how does everyone know about this recipe? But they do. I am missing Pie Week this season. They used to have a Pie Week, which I often enjoy. But I am thankful for the fact that they haven't done their quote-unquote ethnic weeks as they did last season when they did Mexican and Italian. And that got pretty culturally insensitive. Correct. You can't get Pie Week. You got a beaver. There's only so far they're willing to go. Henry, let's move to something uh, equally delicious, though less caloric, the film May, December is coming out tomorrow from Todd Haynes, one of my favorite directors in the whole world. Tell us about this film, Henry. Jessica, I'm thrilled too. And I actually saw it way back in May and I just rewatched it this weekend. So it is very top of mind. I gained new insights and saw new nuances that I hadn't the first time around. So I was so thrilled to rewatch it. Stars um, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman and Charles Melton. This film centers on Julianne Moore and Charles Melton as a couple. They met when she was in her 30s and he was in seventh grade and they embark on a romance. They meet at a pet shop where they both work together. Fast forward some 20 some years and Natalie Portman comes to town. She's an actress named Elizabeth, and she is playing Julianne Moore's character in, like, uh, indie film. I won't call it a Lifetime movie of the week because it's not quite that, but it's more of an indie film with that type of feel. And so Elizabeth follows around Julianne Moore's character through the course of a week, and there's some weird moments, there's some intimate moments. It's a bizarre trip of a film, and I can't even begin to tell you how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's very much a psychological drama that has a lot of references to real life. I mean, some people are going to recognize, though it's not based on their story, the story of Mary Kay Letourneau. And then other people will look at the fact that Natalie Portman is playing an actress, which was something that she was very excited to dig into because she's played 8 billion characters before and yet never an actress. One of the things, Henry, that struck me so much about this film was it is so tense and dramatic, but it's also so funny. Jessica, I agree. And one of the things that makes it so tense and dramatic is the musical score, which sounds like telenovela music. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way whatsoever. It's like this soaring orchestra. And they apply the music at the funniest and weirdest times. Like um, Julianne Moore's character is opening the refrigerator and the music soars and you think there's going to be some revelation inside the refrigerator. And she's like, we don't have enough hot dogs for this barbecue. The juxtaposition of the way they use the music and the dialogue lends a lot of humor to the film. And it also really plays with what Todd Haynes is doing throughout this film, which is asking the audience to check their expectations and check their judgment of who a person is, what equals guilt, and who should be absolved of judgment. Found myself as a viewer really going back and forth of, oh, wow, okay, I came into this with some preconceived notions of who these characters are and where they went wrong and where they went right, maybe. And wow, was I wrong. Jessica, the conceit is kind of brilliant because through Natalie Portman's character, it's almost like she's going on a reporting trip as a journalist to like unpack what happened in this romance. For example, she talks to the owner of the pet shop where they met. She talks to Julie 
Julianne Moore's character, Grace's lawyer, who represented her in the court case. They talked to the husband and the son from Julianne Moore's character's first marriage. And so, like, you see this tapestry being built of this story told through all sorts of eyes and how different people experienced it. And I thought that was a really clever way of telling the story. I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention, obviously, to Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, who are two huge stars. But can we talk about Charles Melton for a second? Because, I mean, obviously, people know him from the TV series Riverdale. He delivers a performance that is so devastating with the most capital of D's. I mean, it is really something, you know, and I'm sure that his his name will come up a lot as the awards season progresses. What a revelation. And if you're watching the first few minutes of the film, you've got to bear with this character for a second because you're going to be like, wait, is this the character or is he just a really bad actor? And I promise you it's the former. The character is supposed to be a bit of a blank slate and sort of develops throughout the film as you peel back more layers of him and that character is named Joe. And his performance, like he just does such a good job of like physically settling into this character and letting the audience discover him. Speaking of some of these characters and their quirks and the just the different things that are revealed as the film goes on, one of the things that I found both so unnerving and so hilarious is Julianne Moore's lisp that just pops up every so often. It almost seems like something that she feels like she has to do. And in certain conversations, you will hear the lisp as she speaks. And then for, you know, many, many, many conversations, it will disappear. You watch that affectation and then you watch Natalie Portman try and take that on as well. And it is bizarre. My boyfriend was actually the one who pointed out the lisp to me and and I couldn't unsee it, of course. And I decided that the lisp was being used when she wanted to be emotionally manipulative and girly and girlish and try to play to those emotions. And then when she was feeling buttoned up and powerful, the lisp went away such a tiny thing that adds so much to the character. Jessica, I want to give people a little insight into something that you and I would know about and a lot of people just don't. Um, So in the film, um, to establish that um, the romance between Julianne Moore's character and Charles Melton's character was a big tabloid incident, Natalie Portman's character pages through a fake National Enquirer and a fake People magazine from that time with the headlines and what have you. And when we were at Entertainment Weekly, when we worked together there, we used to get calls from movie directors or publicists saying, hey, we want to use a faux Entertainment Weekly cover or a faux Entertainment Weekly article to supplement this story in X, Y, and Z way. And um, we would produce them for them and it would look like the Entertainment Weekly from, say, 2012. So I was loving um, the little detail of the People magazine with the headlines and the covers that looked so accurate from that time in the 90s. And of course, Natalie Portman is, as you were talking about earlier, it's all part of this research. It starts off with a little bit of distance. She comes to their house to this barbecue and it kind of starts off as, oh, I'm just observing from afar. And it very steadily and creepily turns into something so much more. So much more. All of a sudden, Natalie Portman's character is at the graduation dinner of Julianne Moore and Charles Melton's children, like just sitting at the head of the table there. And it's among other things of interesting psychological thriller. 
Yeah, a bunch of moments throughout the film where Todd Haynes uses mirrors and obviously the theme of reflection and what is reflecting back and what are you projecting out to the world and how do people see you? And obviously that will be dissected and talked about a lot. But there's one scene in particular that I want to bring up because I want people to take note of it so much. And it's a scene where Natalie Portman in preparing to play a character based on Julianne Moore's character, she asked Julianne Moore to teach her how to put on makeup and and the whole scene is shot in front of a mirror and Todd Haynes's cameras were actually behind this two-way mirror when he filmed it. It's so simple. It's like, show me how to put on lipstick. And it carries so much in that one scene. It's one of my favorite scenes this year. I completely, completely agree. And partially because it's so intimate, as you say, and partially it's so unpredictable and taut. Like, you don't know what's going to happen next. And <laughs> the thing, the detail of the bathroom that got me was the gold frame around the plastic door of the shower. Like, I couldn't stop looking at that either. Like, it was also just perfectly set. I agree with you. It's one of the best scenes I've seen all year. It's something I do love about Todd Haynes movies is that you can watch them multiple times and you'll pick up a detail like that, like the gold framing. And all of a sudden, any scene or the framing of a scene is going to become a whole other piece of magic. One more piece of advice I'd give people as they're starting this movie is think of it as a slice of life. You're not going to get all sorts of answers and big conclusions. And if you approach it as a slice of life, I think you will be pretty satisfied. Yeah, it's very much a snapshot of a story. And in that way, as a viewer, you're so much a part of that experience of the film because Todd Haynes does not spoon feed you on any level how you should feel about any of these three characters and more. Do you like films like that? Do you like that kind of like, I'm not going to tell you what to think, viewer? I do. I mean, I would be such a rube if I said I don't need like hard and fast conclusions every time. That being said, I would watch a trilogy of this film in a second. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like a Rashomon story of just from all of their different points of view, though in some ways you do get it. It's really such such a great film. And I think one that will definitely be talked about a lot for the rest of the year and also as we go into award season. After I watched this film, I was thinking how much I like this world of psychological dramas and just the way different characters' intentions might be hidden uh, from what they truly are. And I thought maybe we could give a few recs of other films or other things on Netflix that, you know, kind of like a designer imposter perfume. If you like May, December, try this. If you like May, December, you will love April, November. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Please, please. But April, November, like who is April, November? Because I feel like she might be a detective. April, November could be a detective or a drag queen. Jessica, I pulled a couple titles that might be interesting to our listeners. The first is also a Todd Haynes movie from 2015 called Carol. And it's based on a 1952 novel called The Prince of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. It stars Kate Planchett, Rooney Mara, Sarah Paulson, Jake Lacey, and Kyle Chandler. And it's set in New York City during the 1950s. And it's about a posh woman played by Kate Blanchett who is going through a divorce and has an affair with an aspiring photographer played by Rooney Mara, obviously a same-sex relationship. And the idea that an LGBTQ relationship is set during this time and also the fraught touches and a look that can mean a thousand different things and all the sort of subtle codes that you had to employ when you were attracted to people of the same sex during this time, it's really, really well done. And it's a film that stuck with me all this time. 
again, Todd Haynes is is one of the greats when it comes to bringing to life the subtleties of human connection. The second thing I would recommend is called Marriage Story, and that is from 2019. It's written and directed by Noah Baumbach, and it stars Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver as a married couple who both live together and work together. He is a Broadway director. She is an actress. And their marriage starts to split when she is offered the opportunity to go to L.A. to star in a TV pilot, and his show is going to Broadway, and he remains in New York. And to call it War of the Roses type of divorce is too blunt of an instrument to apply to this film, but it's a deep psychological psychological thriller about a divorce and all the things that go wrong and the custody battles that are involved. They have one son, coincidentally named Henry, and how he reacts to it. It's gripping and thrilling and destructive and very, very, very well acted. Oh, a hundred percent. And like May, December, at times you will be watching it and just kind of wanting to crawl out of your own skin because the moment is either too intense or too uncomfortable or too awkward completely agree. And Jessica, the rest of the cast in this movie is stacked as well. Um, Laura Dern plays Scarlett Johansson's character's lawyer. Ray Liotta plays one of um, Adam Driver's lawyers, so you can imagine them going at it in court. And Julie Haggerty and Merritt Weaver play Scarlett Johansson's character, Nicole, um, her mother and sister. Such a good movie. I think uh, the Merowitz stories, also from Noah Baumbach, also has some of that, how, how people act on the surface is really one thing and just kind of you know, a porthole to something else. Have you seen the movie The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's feature directorial debut? I haven't. It's been on my list. Tell me about it. Oh, it stars Olivia Coleman, who's one of my favorites ever, as this professor who goes on holiday in Greece. And it's so much more complex than that. It's based on Elena Ferrante's book. And this movie in some ways reminded me of May, December in the way that women connect and can sometimes betray each other. And it reminded me of May, December in the way that it explores the very intense complexities between women. Sometimes women who are close, women who are just near strangers as they are in May, December. And it is just a fascinating psychological look. And I really thought that watching The Lost Daughter and watching May, December in some ways like complement each other. I could totally see that. It's been on my list forever. Thank you for reminding me about it. I'm definitely going to watch over the holiday. Uh, Jessica, I have one more film to recommend. It came out earlier this year on Netflix. It's called Fair Play. It stars Phoebe Dunavore from Bridgerton, plays Emily and Alden Ehrenreich as Luke. They're an engaged couple who uh, work together at a hedge fund. And when one of them gets a promotion, hint, it's not the man, really destructive things ensue. And it's a really interesting portrait of a dissolution of a relationship and how far it can go. Um, people have compared it to Basic Instinct a bit. I can definitely see those comparisons. For sure. And it's also such an interesting look at gender stereotypes when you think of how those two characters are and you think about May, December, the expectations that people have of the women and of the man and how the directors in, in both of these cases, Todd Haynes and Chloe DeMond, who's a first time director and did an extraordinary job with Fair Play, the way they subvert those. Exactly. And it also goes to what you were talking about earlier about the things that are left unsaid. There is so much left unsaid in Fair Play as there is in May, December. And that simmers beneath the surface. And so each partner is forced to write the lines and fill in the story in their own way. And it can be really damning. It is a billboard and an advertisement for couples therapy. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like all these movies are advertisements for Stay Single. That too. 
Henry, that's going to do it for us this week in talking about May, December. But let's stay in December. And what do we talk about in December? The holidays. Next week, we'll be talking about the Virgin River holiday episodes and all sorts of Netflix holiday movies. We'll see you next week.